Today I want to talk to you about prayer and the will of God. I discovered that many Christians are deeply interested in knowing how they can learn the will of God for their lives. But the reality is, is that most of us already know far more about the will of God than we're able to carry out. Perhaps you can relate to Apostle Paul who said that, he, ha- he said, I have the desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. You see, every Christian lives with an inner struggle. When we're saved, God gives us the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit will guide us and direct us and speak to us. But there's a problem. And Jesus identified it when he said to his disciples, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. So maybe you've tried to live the Christian life. You've tried to be obedient to the Lord, but having failed repeatedly, now you're, you're not really sure what that looks like or, or how to do it. So what do you do? You can, you can give up. That's what a lot of Christians do. A lot of Christians, they just decide that it's just too hard. And they just don't have the ability. And so they just give up trying to obey many of the commands the Lord has given us. Or you can, you can give in and you can justify your sin. You know, the man that's sitting on death row for murder, he can console himself by saying, not really a bad person. I only murder people when they make me mad. I'm not like a serial killer or other people I know. Yeah, you know, I've just discovered, as silly as that sounds, after 30 years of preaching, people can justify anything they want to justify in their own mind. So you can give up or, or you can give in, but if you're not ready to do either one of those, then I want to invite you for the next few moments just to examine the life of the only person who ever walked in perfect obedience to God. And let's learn from him. Because Jesus not only told us the problem, he not only said the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak, but he also told us what to do. He said, watch and pray. And Jesus not only taught us this, but he, he showed us, he lived it. It must have been the darkest night of Jesus' life as he awaited his arrest and crucifixion. Jesus prayed. He prayed. Matthew chapter 26, verse 36 is where we begin tonight, this morning, in the, looking at this last night of Jesus' life. Matthew 26, 36. I want to ask you to join me in standing as we read this together. The Bible says, Then Jesus went with them to a place called Gethsemane. And he said to his disciples, Sit here while I go over there and pray. And talking with Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, he began to be sorrowful and troubled. Then he said to them, My soul is very sorrowful even to death. Remain here and watch with me. And going to the little father, he fell on his face and prayed, saying, My father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. 
And he came to the disciples and he found them sleeping. And he said to Peter, so could you not watch with me one hour? Watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Again, for the second time, he went and prayed. My father, if this cannot pass unless I drink it, your will be done. And again, he came and found them sleeping for their eyes were heavy. So leaving them again, he went away and prayed for the third time, saying the same words again. Then he came to the disciples and said to them, sleep and take your rest later on. See, the hour is at hand and the son of man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us be going. See, my betrayer is at hand. Let us go to the Lord in prayer now. Father, I pray that you'd help us to understand what Jesus meant and what he modeled for us when he said, watch and pray. Help us to learn from his example that we may be his faithful disciples. For it's in his name that we pray. Amen. You may be seated. We look at the life of Jesus. We learn from his words and we learn from his example. And one of the things that we see as Jesus, knowing everything that's about to take place, agonizes over what lies ahead. And yet he spends a long period of time in prayer. Hours. We don't know exactly how long, but that first section before he came back and found his disciples asleep, he said to them, could you not wait, watch with me one hour? And then he went back and he prayed again and he came back and he prayed again and he came back. So Jesus, during this time, he, he spent hours in prayer. And we look at the content of this prayer and we see that prayer is where we yield to the will of God. See, Jesus, Jesus, by his very actions, by his life and what he taught, he showed us the importance of prayer. I think that many people today truly underestimate the value and the importance of prayer. That's evidenced by what we say. We say things like, well, all we can do now is pray, as though that's just a small thing. It's evidenced by our actions. Pastors in the area, we've learned the greatest way to kill a crowd gathering is to say it's going to be a prayer meeting. If we have a concert, we can draw hundreds. But every prayer meeting we've ever had since I've been here in the, in the region, it's just been a small handful of people. And yet Jesus devoted hours of his life to prayer. And on this last night as he was about to be betrayed and then crucified, he prayed. The Bible says in verse 36, then Jesus went with them to a place called Gethsemane. I want you to notice that in Scripture, the gospel shows us that Jesus had a place for prayer. He had a place for prayer. This is no small insignificant detail because Jesus showed us from the beginning of his ministry to the end 
that if one is going to be devoted to prayer, there must be a place that's devoted to prayer. In Luke chapter 5, verse 15 and 16, this is early in Jesus' ministry. And listen to how it describes him. It says, now, but now even more, the report about him went out, and great crowds gathered to hear him and to be healed of their infirmities. So, so Jesus is drawing great crowds. He's becoming more and more famous, and people are, are vying for his time. I saw an interview with a, a pastor. He wrote a book that became a New York Times bestseller. And in that, that interview, he talked about having written that book that became an unbelievable success. And he said, for a year, I barely slept. He said, I was preaching here, preaching there, this interview, that interview, this speaking agent, nonstop. And he talked about that during that year of his life, the busyness had led him to neglect prayer. Jesus, as he became famous, people came, wanted to hear, and wanted to be healed. And so verse 16, here's how Luke says he handled it. But he would withdraw to desolate places and pray and pray. We often read in the Gospels where Jesus went up on a mountain to pray. And there on this night, Judas would know exactly where to find him to betray him because he knew where Jesus' place to pray was. Jesus had a place devoted in his life to prayer. Jesus had a plan. It says in verse 36, and Jesus went with them to a place called Gethsemane, and he said to his disciples, sit here while I go over there and pray. Jesus had brought the, the 11 that were left. Remember, Judas has left him. He went out to betray him. Jesus, Jesus has brought the 11, and after he brings the 11, he sits them down. Then he takes the inner three, Peter, James, and John, and he leads them on a little farther. But then he leaves them and goes over. One of the Gospels tells us it was about a stone's throw away that Jesus goes to be in isolation. But Jesus brings those that are closest to him. And then he brings those three that are even closer so that he might not be alone in this moment, but yet then he distanced himself just enough that he can, be, he can be able to pray. You say, well, I don't think that's very significant that Jesus had a place and that Jesus had a plan. That seems pretty simple to me. Well, I'll tell you this, if you don't have a place and you don't have a plan, you probably don't have a prayer life either. If it's gonna be a priority in our life, we're going to have to have some sort of a place where we can get away from the distractions of the world, where we can get away from people that are constantly pressing on us, wanting things. I, I don't know of anybody that's any busier than, than parents with young children, and that some of us are busy with jobs, and some of us are just busy with ourselves. There's all kinds of things that will consume us and take up our time, and if we're going to have prayer, we're going to have to find a place where we can get away. 
doesn't have to be anything extraordinary or elaborate. It might be a chair in your bedroom. It might be the cab of your truck during lunch. But we all need to pick a place. And we need to figure out a plan for how we're going to devote ourselves to prayer. Everybody does it different. I wouldn't for a moment try to impose my plan upon you like it's the only way to pray before God. But you need some type of a plan. Whether that's keeping a detailed written list or whether that's having a selected hour of the day or you use an app on your phone, whatever you do, you need a place and you need a plan and then you need to make it a priority. Jesus knows he only has a few hours left before being arrested and crucified. And with those last few hours, he chooses to pray. What would you do this morning if you knew at one o'clock today your life was going to end? Jesus knew exactly when he was going to go to the cross. He knew this was the last moments he had alone before he would be arrested. He knew everything that was about to take place. And he, he prayed. In the moments of pain. And Jesus, Jesus was agonizing over what lied ahead. But in moments of pain, prayer must be an even greater priority. Look at verse 37 and 38. And taking with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, he began to be sorrowful and troubled. And then he said to them, my soul is very sorrowful even to death. Remain here and watch with me. Jesus said that he was sorrowful even unto death. Jesus was in great pain and anguish knowing that he was about to bear the wrath of God for our sins. And in this moment, this anguish drew him into prayer with the Father. I've seen a lot of people in pain throughout my ministry. I've seen people in pain because a young child was diagnosed with cancer. I've seen people in pain because they were abandoned by somebody they thought loved them. I've seen people in pain because their mother died in a horrific accident in a very painful way. They couldn't grasp why. I've seen people in pain for many reasons. But I've noticed something. Pain has a tremendous impact. It seems that it'll either draw you closer to God or it'll drive you away. The choice really of how we allow pain to affect us is ours. And in this moment, as Jesus knew that he was about to be tortured to death and he was about to bear the wrath of God for our sins, it drew him into prayer. So he says to the disciples, my soul is very sorrowful even to death. Remain here and watch with me. I want you to notice the content of Jesus' prayer in verse 39. 
And going a little farther, he fell on his face and prayed, saying, My father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. The Bible makes it clear that Jesus did not want to go to the cross. Who would? But he was willing. Because Jesus sought the will of God. Jesus showed us here that prayer is not where we call down God on our side. Prayer is where we join God in his work. One of the reasons that many people are frustrated in their prayer life is because they don't understand how to pray and what to pray for. They think that prayer is where they go and give God directives. And then they're frustrated when God does not obey their commands. But this is not what prayer is. Prayer may be a place where we can be open and honest before God. It can be a place where we can say, God, I don't, I don't understand. It can be a place where we say, God, I don't really want to do what you've called me to do. It can be a place where we can just pour out our heart with complete transparency before God. But what Jesus taught us is that it must also be the place where we say, nevertheless, not what I will, but what you will be done. Prayer is where we align our will with the will of God. Jesus knew all that lied ahead for the next day. And in prayer, he poured out his heart before God. But he also yielded to the very will of God. There's a second thing that Jesus teaches us here is that prayer gives us the strength to resist temptation. Prayer gives us the strength to resist temptation. Verse 40, notice what he says here. And he came to the disciples and found them sleeping. And he said to Peter, so could you not watch with me one hour? Peter doesn't understand apparently what's about to happen. And so he is he's sleeping when Jesus has explicitly called him to join him in prayer. You see, underestimating our need will lead us to neglect prayer. That was the same in, in Peter's life, and it's the same in, in our lives. You say, well, how long should a person pray? I think Jesus shows us here that there's moments of great need and there's moments of great crisis in which you and I need to devote long seasons to prayer. Some of the greatest people in ministry that I've ever known were people who spent long seasons of time in prayer. In Columbus, Georgia, there's a pastor there. Uh, I only heard him preach one time because he just he wouldn't take speaking engagements. 
but a friend of mine, his father, had worked on staff with him. And he asked him, would he be willing to come and do this men's conference for us? And this, this man who was pastor in a massive church in Columbus, I, I remember we were in the back of this event that our churches had planned together. We are having a men's conference. There were about 500 men there that day. I was staying there next to one of my deacons. And, and in walks this man, and he's wearing uh, jeans, and he just, he just looked really rough. He came in late, came in, slept aside, said something to us. And I've, just been, I've been doing this just a, a long time. I normally have a pretty good read on people. And so I thought, oh, man, we're, we're trying to have a men's conference. It's just I don't really want to go deal with benevolence need right now because I, I just knew that was coming, you know. Have you ever been approached by people and you just know the way they approach you and the things that they say, you know, they're, 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 they're trying to make a little connection and then they're about to ask you for gas money? you ever experienced this? Maybe you haven't experienced this. I guess I just got preacher written on my forehead. I don't know. This happens to me all the time, all the time. And so this guy comes in late. He sits in beside us. He says something to me. He says something to my deacon. And, and so anyway, I thought, okay. So then we have a, a, a guy do a guest music. And then the, one of the pastors gets up and he says, I want to I wanna introduce our speaker today. And he says his name. And this guy steps out and he starts walking up. Oh, yeah. He was the pastor from that mega church in in Columbus. He's running late because he got pulled over for speeding on the way there. I'd never even seen him before because he didn't, he didn't take engagements. And yet this man had went to a church that ran about 30. And at that time it ran several thousand. His ministry was built entirely on prayer. He spent hours and hours a day in prayer that's why he wouldn't take any engagements that's why none of us even knew what he looked like that was his schedule prayer steve gaines pastors bellevue baptist church that's where harold tony was was baptized by adrian rogers i talked to steve one day at the southern baptist convention and he was telling me about his prayer life he begins every single day with an hour of prayer. It begins at five, and he prays until six. Every single day. Jesus said to Peter, could you not watch with me one hour? Has there ever been a need so great in your life that you've prayed for an hour? The disciples underestimated their need and that led them to neglect prayer. For all of us, temptation always lurks around the corner. In Matthew 26, 41, Jesus said, watch and pray. And here's why, that you may not enter into temptation. The disciples just earlier had heard Jesus explain that they were going to all fall away. And they said that night that they were going to fall away. Peter said, even if I have to die with you, he said, even if everyone else falls away, I 
will not. And so Jesus says to them this night to watch and pray that they may not enter into temptation because the spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. This is why you and I need prayer is because we are weak. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. We look at Jesus who will faithfully follow the will of God. He will be put before a phony trial. He will be tortured and crucified. And yet at no time will he rebel against the will of God. At no time will he fall short of the glory of God. In fact, as he hangs on the cross, suffocating and bleeding out, he will pray, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Meanwhile, Peter will deny even knowing Jesus. How is it that Jesus was obedient while the disciples failed. We go back to the Garden of Gethsemane and we see that our past prayer enables our future obedience. Jesus had told them to watch and to pray, but they slept. Jesus prayed and before God, he yielded his will to the will of the Father. Prayer, prayer that is powerful, it requires persistence. Notice what it says in verse 42. It says, again, for the second time, he went away and prayed, my Father, if this cannot pass unless I drink it, your will be done. And again he came and found them sleeping, for their eyes were heavy. So leaving them again, he went away and prayed for the third time, saying the same words again. So notice that Jesus went back and he prayed after finding his disciples. And the Bible says that each time he prayed basically the same thing. Jesus was persistent in his, in his prayer. Jesus once told the parable about a widow who was persistent. In, in Luke 18, 1, uh, this is... Luke introducing the parable and telling us what it's about. Here's what he says. And he told them a parable to the effect that they ought to always pray and to not lose heart. In the parable that Jesus tells, there's a widow who's uh, suffered an injustice, and she, she goes before the judge who's, who's a corrupt judge, who's not a good man. But she keeps going, and she keeps going, waiting for her case to be heard. And, and the judge, who's an evil man, says, though I neither respect man or fear God, I'm going to have to hear this case so I can get rid of this woman. And what Jesus' point is that if an evil, corrupt judge will hear one's case through persistence, then how much more will a loving and gracious Father hear our case when we persist before him? But persistence 
Persistence is more than repeating the same words. Jesus had also given us this caution in the Sermon on the Mount. He says, and when you pray, do, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. I, I can't help but think about Elijah who confronted the prophets of Baal. And perhaps you remember that episode that the Bible tells us about in the Old Testament where Elijah was challenging the prophets of Baal to demonstrate whether their God was real or not. And so he said, we'll go up on the mountain and we'll, we'll have a sacrifice. And he said, we'll pray. And whoever's God sends fire on the sacrifice. He said, that's how we'll know which God is real. And so he says to the prophets of Baal, you go first. And they prayed. And the Bible says that they prayed for hours. And they did everything that they knew to do. They danced and they cut themselves and they chanted and they cried. And nothing happened. And after hours of them praying, Elijah, to be sure that everyone understood God was real, he said, bring water and douse the sacrifice. And the Bible says that they dug a trench around it and they poured so much water on the sacrifice that the water ran down and it filled up the trenches. And Elijah says, one short prayer and fire fell from heaven and consumed the sacrifice and licked up the water. Persistence in prayer does not mean that we need to become a babbler before God never really saying anything, just constantly words, 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 repeating the same request over and over again. It means that we come before God and we pour out our heart before him, that our prayer is consistent with our need. Jesus prayed in the garden because he knew the hour. It says in verse 45, then he came to the disciples and he said to them, sleep and take your rest later on. See, the hour is at hand. Jesus knew all that was about to happen. That's what he meant when he said the hour is at hand. The Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Have you ever thought about this? At this moment, Jesus was praying and the disciples were sleeping. There was an earlier time in their lives, early in the ministry of Jesus, when they're out on a boat. Mark tells us about it. They're out on the Sea of Galilee in Mark 4:37. It says, and a great windstorm arose and waves were breaking into the boat so that the boat was already filling. But he, that, that's Jesus, was in the stern asleep on a cushion. And they woke him and said, teacher, do you not care that we're perishing? And he awoke and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, peace, be still. And the wind ceased and there was a great calm. In that boat that day, Jesus slept while the disciples cried out because Jesus knew there was nothing to fear. But in that garden of Gethsemane, Jesus had said on the way there, you're going to all fall away. And they said, we're not going to fall away. We're going to go with you, even to death. Nothing's going to happen to us. And so therefore, that night, 
not understanding their need, they slept while Jesus prayed. It was prayer that prepared Jesus to willingly give up his life. In verse 46, listen to what he says. Rise, let us be going. See, my betrayer is at hand. When he said, let us be going, he wasn't talking about fleeing. He was talking about walking out to meet Judas. Jesus went willingly. Why is it that Jesus was able to obey the will of God when the disciples so miserably failed? Part of it was because of prayer. Do you want to obey the will of God? Then begin with prayer. Our battle is not won in the midst of it. It's won in the preparation. Prayer is where we yield our will to the will of God. Prayer is where we find strength to resist temptation. And prayer is what enables our future obedience. Let's pray now. Father, we thank you for Jesus who gave us such a great example of persistence and faithfulness in prayer. God, help us to be your people, to have a desire to obey you and to conform our lives to your will. Lord, I pray today that like Jesus, we would make prayer a priority in our lives. I pray that we would yield to your will and that we might find the strength to be obedient in the future. For it's in your son's name that we pray. Amen. Jesus, that night, he, he knew all that was about to, to lie ahead. And yet, he prayed, Nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. Do you know what the will of the Father was? The will of the Father was to offer his son in your place. What Jesus feared was not the pain of having nails driven through his hands and feet. Jesus knew the wrath of God was about to be poured out upon him. And yet he willingly went so that you could be saved. You see, every single one of us, we know that we are not perfect. Some of us are so arrogant, we can't even say it out loud, but we still know. We know that we have all fallen short of the glory of God. And that's why people start false religions. And that's why people do all kinds of things to try to make up for their sin. None of that will work. The only thing that can bring us to peace with God is to accept what Jesus did for us by faith. So today, if you'd like to be forgiven, if you'd like to know that you have nothing to fear in the future, 
if you'd like to have assurance that when you die, heaven will be your home. All you have to do is ask. You see, everything that I've just mentioned is yours for receiving. It's just a prayer away. So when we begin to sing, I want to invite you to pray. Say, Pastor, I don't really, I don't really know what to say. Well, that's why I'll be here at the front during the song. That's why I'll be hanging out here at the front after the service. I'd be glad to help you pray. There's no special words you need. You just need to pour out your heart before God and ask him for forgiveness. For those of us that have already received this gift, God has called us to live for him. But we can't do it on our own because we're weak. You may not want to admit you're weak, but Jesus said you're weak. The flesh is our problem. Our spirit may be willing, but our flesh is weak. That's why we need prayer. Prayer is where we find the strength to do what God's calling us to do. So if you're frustrated, you feel like you've tried to live the Christian life and now you're just faking it, don't give up. Just reach out to God in prayer. Spend time with him because it's your prayer today that will determine your success tomorrow. So right now as we sing, I want to invite you to respond however you need to. If you need help, I'll be standing at the front. Let's stand together as we sing.
again, we're thankful to be back in the house, Lord. The gospel's been proclaimed, Lord. Uh, uh, Dr. Ma Dr. Maples, give us the message you laid on his heart. And Lord, let us take this message and not just be hearers, but also be doers of thy word. Lord, we praised you in song, Lord, and we're going to praise you with tithes and offerings, Lord. And everything that we've said and done will bring glory and honor to your name. And we're going to say it's good to be in the house of the Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.